Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following was excerpted from a Zoom session of Dharma Dialogues, broadcast from Australia on October 3rd, 2020. It's called, When the World Pushes Against You. I invite you to join any of the upcoming monthly Zoom sessions, which are held at two different times on the first weekend of each month to accommodate most time zones. And I wanted to mention for those in a position to give a year-end donation, our organization Living Dharma is tax-deductible in the United States, and we could use your help this year. The donation button is on each page of our website, katherineingram.com. I wanted to read something from Camus, or as the French would say, Albert Camus. In the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. In the midst of chaos, I found there was within me an invincible calm. I realized through it all that in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. And that makes me happy for it says that no matter how hard the world pushes against me, within me there's something stronger, something better pushing right back. Now we do all know the truth of this because so many times, are the you know the better angels of our nature have pushed right back and it is interesting isn't it fascinating actually how when that happens it feels the truest of us right when there is that incredible delicious resting or diving deep. It just feels the truest of us. And perhaps conversely, sometimes when we're in our madness, right? When we're in our hate and our resistance, there's some niggling part of ourselves that is saying, "Mm, this just doesn't really feel right. And yet we may be so, so immersed in it at that moment or in that phase of time. And we may even be supported in that by those around us who are also in their rage or their feelings of hate and resistance. That you just sort of find yourself going with it. But somehow, some way... There is a a knowing. Now, the more we visit that knowing, the more that we let ourselves have that refreshing place that pushes back in from the from pushes the madness, basically, knows that it's not quite right. The more we give into that, surrender to that, that sweet spot, the more we call it to us. Right? It just gets more habitual.
I've noticed that a lot of my friends in the US are struggling with lots of very complicated feelings and I certainly understand. I really understand. But a lot of those feelings have to do with just rage really and and a lot of hate hatred and and they all would say that they have cause and there's a kind of schadenfreude happening with the hospitalization of the president people are saying all kinds of things even people who i find it's a bit surprising because I've known them as Dharma people for so many decades, and um, I, I do find it a bit surprising some of the some of the bitterness that I'm hearing and some of the glee at the suffering of the U.S. president and those around him. And I, I, I don't feel any of that kind of schadenfreude. And it's really been kind of interesting for me to have these conversations because it's forced me to look at, well, if there is someone who's doing something and it's causing a lot of suffering on the planet, is it fair enough to feel okay? Because they're getting theirs, they're, they're getting their just desserts, but somehow my heart just won't go there. I, it just doesn't. <laughs> many, many years ago, when it first came out, I watched this series called The Tudors. It's a dramatic, you know, it's a dramatized uh, series, which I thought was quite great. It was, it was kind of a soap opera-ish, and I'm sure it took many liberty, liberties with the history but um, it had a great cast and it was very well done and a big production. And in the story, there were many people who were absolutely awful, really horrible. They did horrible, horrible things to other people. And as the viewer, you would be kind of rooting for them to like get beheaded themselves because they were busy beheading a whole bunch of other people. And yet when it would come their turn, which inevitably it seemed to do in the story, I would think, oh, well, gosh, we don't have to go that far. <laughs> and to this, to this point, there is something so um, healing to the heart to really wish people well even though we might work to stop them in what they're doing, that's a different matter. But to not, to not feel glee in their suffering. To push back when you feel anything like that, when you feel hate arising, even what you might think is justified as people who hate often do feel justified in it.
Okay, that's what came to say on this momentous occasion of this crazy time of history we're in, where never a dull moment, and uh, the, that we're sharing this. I mean, I know many of you are in Europe, but um, no doubt you're you're hearing the news as we are. Yeah, uh, it's not quite clear yet what uh, I want to say, but but something came up about how um, how much you can feel sometimes justification in hating or really having an opinion, a strong opinion, and mm-hmm. how tempting it can be to have that energy of the opinion of the <laughs> yeah. of uh, of the rightness uh, until you feel how it how how isolating it actually is how it isolates myself from mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. um, um, and i was just reading an article about arlie hochschild an american sociologist who was going down south to speak with people with extremely different opinions and trying to understand them. Um, and it's so intriguing uh, because I wonder, could I, could I do that myself? Could I have the, the flexibility of um, mind and the curiosity of mind to keep on exploring why others why the other has an opinion that feels sometimes so um, so harmful mm-hmm. so I feel these two things the difficulty of really being curious in people who have other views and also the other thing that there is a slight um, not joy but some energy in in having a strong opinion which in the end actually turns out uh, not feeling good. (laughs) Yes. Well, Well, I mean, the whole of the sort of addiction to, say, social media and the way that people end up in these silos of beliefs and opinions is based on exactly what you're talking about, that there's an incredible energy that comes with feeling right and feeling righteous and and feeling angry. Anger has energy. And it gives a, a very strong sense of self. There's something weirdly um, a bit addictive, even though it's a kind of negative addiction to all of those kinds of feelings, strong emotions, strong sense of self, right? Strong sense of somebody. And, and the... And to your point about isolating, I would also add the other problem with it is that in and of itself, holding that stuff inside of you actually is toxic. But, but, but like with many addictions that are toxic, one keeps going with it. So it's very, very good to recognize it. And one can often recognize it most clearly when it momentarily or for a little while or for good drops away. And you realize 
oh, you know, you breathe. You, it's like you're carrying this really heavy backpack with full of rocks on your head. <laughs> and, um, and, and it's just really good to kind of notice the contrast. Now to one other point to what you said, if you have a natural curiosity to want to unpack people's differing opinions, and if that's something you feel impelled to do, well and good. But I propose there's even a way to let them be in their opinions, <laughs> even if you totally disagree, and even if you can, as far as you can see, see the harm that they're doing. Like I said, it's fair enough to try to stop people in some you know, way, that might mean voting, or it might mean marching or protesting or writing an article or a book or any number of ways that we express ourselves in a nonviolent, non-harming way. Those are all fair game. But as we all know, it's pretty hard to change anybody else. It's hard enough to change ourselves, right? It's incredibly hard. <laughs> so, you know, you, you throw it all out there without a huge attachment to whether or not you're transforming anything, whether or not you're prevailing in changing anyone's opinion. And also not, if it's not really your natural curiosity to unpack what you may perceive as people's incredibly ignorant opinions and try to find some kind of common ground, I say it's okay that you don't have to find the common ground there in opinions. You can have the common ground be the softness in your heart, recognizing that we live in a world that frankly is full of ignorance. I mean, it is stunning how much ignorance rolls around and has for very, very, very long time, as far as I can tell. What we know of history, I'm not sure how much I trust history, frankly, but what glimmers one can notice that might be true, might have been accurately reported, you realize that this has been going on. A lot of ignorance has been forcing, you know, pushing humanity along for a long time. And we can certainly see it in full display in our own time. And I think another deeper place to come to the quiet is to accept that that's part of what it is here to be human and that we have each of us plenty of it as, as well. Plenty of ignorance, plenty of greed, right? Now we, I've talked about this many times, we who are privileged, we've been li living in ways, uh, especially most of us on this call have dedicated our lives to basically a dharmic kind of view the gentler things, cultivating the better angels of our nature. And we've had the privilege to do all of that. And even so, we know that, you know, our little devils sneak out every now and again. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Alan Watts has a phrase, divine rascals. You know, we, we, we understand our rascality for sure. But we can even see in our own cases the distance we've come from times when we were much more ignorant and operating from ignorance. And usually each step of the way to any kind of insight is fairly hard won ground, right? It's usually born of suffering often. Um, 
you know, so we've slogged on here. We've become more and more tenderized with time. We've seen what works, our, you know, our spirits pushed back, you know, a thousand times, a hundred thousand times to overcome a lot of these negative aspects of ourselves that are just so powerful, so encoded in, um, almost, you know, genetically, actually, I'd say. And so we can understand how those who haven't had privilege, haven't had certain types of education, have had to struggle or be abused in, in childhood or live in criminal cultures where that's just how everybody behaves and all of those things, how, how hard that would be to overcome. One can have deep and profound compassion. So all of these ways are ways to shift your view, just a slight adjustment really, because you don't have to agree with people to have a to have a friendliness in your heart. And you might even try everything you can to stop them from what they're doing, right? You might, that might be your destiny and it is the destiny for some people. But as, as all of the great leaders in the nonviolent movements have always said, and Jesus also said, you know, hate the sin, but not the sinner. The Dalai Lama said, um, that he, he would refer to the Chinese as my friends, the enemy. <laughs> so just a great, incredibly ironic way to say it, my friends, the enemy, meaning, yeah, they're technically the enemy. Um, or Gandhi said, you know, we want, we want the British to quit India. We want them to leave, but we want them to leave as friends. So, you know, there are ways that one can perceive that, doesn't even involve you having to engage at any level of bitterness and hatred in your heart. But I have fallen into judgment and bitterness in my heart in watching what has been going down on the planet, you know, and, and I mean, in the bigger picture and seeing what we humans have done and particularly to the other creatures, you know, that, that gets me a lot. So I do at times just feel this, ah, oh. but then it makes me happy for it says that no matter how hard the world pushes against me, within me there's something stronger, something better pushing right back. I struggle with this idea of, uh, I, I do want to be, um, I, I want to keep my heart malleable and, and especially toward enemies. But I know that that comes with the cost too. And maybe you just have to go along with it. But I always think of this story in 1986, I had a chance to go to Nicaragua during the height of the, you know, the Contra war. Mm. And there was this, um, we got to visit with someone who told the story. There was a man, uh, it was Daniel Borges, who had been, had been imprisoned by the Somacistas and actually castrated, tortured and castrated. Oh. And one of the first things that he did when the Sandinistas came to power 
was to go to the jail where his tormentors were and unlock the door and let these men out. And of course, they joined the Contras and tortured more people. It was a very big gesture on his part, but maybe not thought out all that way. And I've always struggled with, with that idea. What's, what's the right thing to do? But in my heart of hearts, I think, you know, what feels right is not assimilating the awfulness. And I, I'll take the repercussions. But um, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do here. And, and I'm certainly not gleeful. I would like for that person to uh, be re- removed from office and some, and, and not that that's going to, you know, be a panacea for the problems in the U.S., but, but I hope that it's the start of some healing. It seems that, that doesn't, doesn't seem likely with him there, but um, yeah, it's, 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 it, it's a real, real test. I, I, I think there are a lot of people probably struggling with similar feelings all over the place right now. Yes, I would imagine. So, <clears throat> yes, to your point, to your story, uh, that you told about Nicaragua. There's in Buddhism. There's something called idiot compassion, which mm. is, you know, sometimes one can be very deluded about what a true compassionate act is, and you would have to kind of be ignoring a lot of things to set free people who are then going to go out and torture other people. But that doesn't mean you have to hate them. I mean, I think it's just the way the situation is set up. Some people forfeit their right to live among the rest of us because yeah. um, they're too dangerous. But I sometimes like in all of these kind of ways of seeing things to, like, if you if you knew there was a dog in the neighborhood who you heard became rabid, you wouldn't hate that dog. You'd avoid the dog or you'd find the dog would have to be contained somehow or, you know, um, but you wouldn't, hatred wouldn't be a part of it, right? You might be afraid of being near the dog because it might bite you and give you rabies, but hatred wouldn't come up. And yet we, with humans, because we always think that they should know better, right? And we, we, we have all these uh, demands of of humans, but I think in many cases they are like rabid, you know, it's, it's, it's for whatever reasons, the conditioning, brain chemistry, all kinds of reasons that they behave in the ways that they do. And sometimes it's extremely hard when we see someone who is privileged and powerful and wealthy, they're there, they sometimes it is very, very hard to engender compassion uh, for people who are misbehaving at that level of privilege. Um, but if we look deeper, yeah, if we look deeper, and I have had this this uh, very refreshing view many, many times where I've realized, well, you know, you, you imagine walk, walking in their shoes and understanding what it might feel like internally. It's a different animal. I'm new to your Dharma talks. I recently came across your essay through my um, yoga community in Portland, although I live in England. Oh, wow. Okay. So probably through Sarah Joy. Exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and she is, uh, she's someone I studied with 25 years ago and I had to let that community go when I moved here a decade ago. And so COVID-19 brought her back into my life because <laughs> she started doing online courses. Um, what I wanted to, to share, um, kind of some of the things that are coming up for me based on what you've shared today and others, um, is that feeling, that distinction that I have or the challenge I have. And I think the, the analogy of the rabbit dog really highlighted it because the first thing I think of if there's a rabbit dog in the neighborhood is you literally shoot the dog. And that line between wanting to push back with violence um, versus pushing back my own de-evolution <laughs> It's it's re- it's it's been such a it's been a much more challenging thing for me in these recent times because I have this sense of overwhelm. Yes, it's one thing to push back by being a member of PETA. It's one thing to push back by making a donation to Amnesty International. It's one thing to push back with a vote or a writing or poetry or friendliness in the market. Yes. But I feel overwhelmed right now. And so the, the feeling for me is more like drowning. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't even have the energy in some moments to push back. And so I feel this sort of collapsing. And so my feelings around that have been more about surrendering uh, and which is why your essay was so strengthening for me because there was this way in which my pushing back was externalized and uh, it was exhausting. Yeah. So now I'm having to push back in every area, every arena of my society and I don't have that capacity physically to do it. And so... Um, it reminded me when Joe shared about Jorge in Nicaragua. I have a I had a teacher named Jorge once who would whisper in uh, in our ceremonies when people were struggling inside, no outside, hmm. and so bringing bringing back whatever externalized confusion to bring back into calm within and. And then the last thing I just wanted to share because it was brought up is this um, social media that is really creating these silos. I think you used the word silos of hatred. And um, I have come off most of my social media um, after having watched the movie Social Dilemma, which I wanted to just put out there because it's very profound. You spoke about addiction to emotions and they also talk a lot about that but they also had people on there that were all the sort of founding mothers and fathers of these instagram and social media um outlets that there's actually a there's actually a a real addiction uh, in a biochemical way in the brain to these products so anyway i um, am really grateful to have found a community that um is allowing me to um surrender more to what is beautiful i really love what you just said 
Yeah, inside, no outside. I am very aware and I, I come at it in different ways pretty much every time we have one of these sessions that because of the stresses that we are in in our world in general and the uncertainty in which we now live, um, it is making, it, because there comes with, you know, what comes with that is anxiety, you know, and especially for sensitive creatures, <laughs> anxiety can easily arise. So it does sap our strength and it does make it a little bit harder, you know, to kind of stay steady. And that's why I've been emphasizing so much our strength to really tune in to those deeper parts of yourself because we're going to need them. We need them now. And it's going to, we're going to need them more as far as I can tell. And so to really exercise those muscles of letting go, of surrender, not surrender in apathy, not surrender in resignation, but surrender in truth, just surrender to what is real, what is true, surrender to reality. And it doesn't mean you don't try to tweak it here and there, but one has to be realistic about how much we can change in this world. You know, it's this huge juggernaut that's now running in a zillion different ways and it's been on its way a long, long, long time. And there are things set in place. There are tipping points that are happening now that are out of our control. We have no agency over them now, you know? So we have to be really strong going forward and now, and we also have to recognize it is tougher than it used to be. I mean, we, I've spoken quite a bit recently about how we, all of us here on this call, we we're used to living with many more options, many more ways that we can make plans, many more ways we could delight ourselves. And even though we've always had a relationship with death that's hanging over us, anyone who's half paying attention understands that that's the end point um, and that it can come, you know, suddenly. Um, but really, we, you know, we all we're expecting a pretty good cushy long run. Almost everyone was expecting that. And, um, and now it, it, everything is just so uncertain. So to live with that, we're having to adjust. We're having to make a big adjustment in ourselves and in our world. And I have been pretty impressed with how much adjustment we have made not everyone and certainly there are a lot there's lots of mental illness going around and lots of issues in those ways but for many many people they have made and it's pretty remarkable uh, adjustment and adjusting downward in terms of options you know and yet there's also plenty of ways where people are experiencing this time as revelatory and as calming and, and in the letting go and in the simplification of life, there's been some great delight, which I really recommend that we focus on now. 
yes, you don't have all the options. You don't have the big, huge list of things you can do and dream about and plan and go have fun doing and go on adventures and get stuff and <laughs> all the rest. But there's, there's plenty here that's pretty beautiful if you just readjust the view, readjust the attention. And surrender to the inside, right? So that's what we're all, always the viewfinder needs to be tuned. That's the only spot it needs to be adjusted is, is the internal view. It's lovely to see you again, Catherine. It's really lovely to see you, dear. Way too long. I was just thinking today when I saw your name, I was thinking, I think I last saw you in Hampstead. It was a long time ago. A long time ago, yeah. <laughs> but mm. lovely, lovely to be here with you again. And how are you? I'm struggling recently with um, an internal hatred rather than a, an external. Mm. And it's been provoked by... Um, I have an eye condition that I... Um, that potentially can be sight loss, but not, not presently, not imminently. And this week I learned I had a second one. And my reaction has been to um, implode. Is that, yeah, implode. A lot of self-hatred and um, not being able to get into this... Um, overview can I ask can I ask why the self-hatred why would there not be compassion instead for yourself I don't know I don't know I just um it's complete terror of an imagined future yeah and uh, and how I would cope as uh, somebody with claustrophobia and mm-hmm. anxiety. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing has just mushroomed. So I've given myself a very hard week. And last night before I... Uh, as I was just preparing to come here, I was just aware that I was going to start a journal called Journey to Light Mm -hmm. because we all have these, um, well, I I experience different layers inside myself where I'm very um, in the moment and surrounded by tremendous depth and love and, uh, in the flow uh, to a depth that I absolutely love. But in sometimes just in moments of trauma, mm-hmm. it's possible to lose it completely. And I lost it this week. And if it was somebody else, I would be so much kinder to them, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 So I think... Somehow I'll have to learn self-compassion. 
Yes. There might be some belief system embedded, and it's not a surprise that it might be embedded because it's it's a kind of new agey belief system that goes around that somehow you brought it on somehow that, you know, it might be that that belief system lurks in you somewhere. Something about why did, why did I get this and what's the lesson, blah, blah, all that stuff. And um, I would really encourage you to release that, you know, as, as basically irrational, um, you know, and, and unnecessarily tormenting thoughts and untrue. We're in these very precarious packages, all this love and all this, all this thoughts and creativity and talent and what, what, you know, like the, what the, the stuff of the internal stuff of being human. And here it is contained in this extraordinarily precarious packaging, mm-hmm. right? Just that doesn't last, that doesn't hold up for anyone. So that's just how it is. And, and I'm so sorry, and I can so understand the fear and the terror that you describe, I can imagine. But I would say that extra is the self-hatred, and that's another, you know, another rock, a big, huge rock that's being put on that totally doesn't need to go on the ride. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so to deal with getting practical and practicing a lot of self-compassion and a knowing that you're strong and you'll have to dig deep to find new layers of strength which you'll no doubt do um, i love your i loved how you started today with camus um uh, description of when you face a challenge that you know in that darkness that something tremendous comes you, you know you reach somewhere inside yes. you yes. that you didn't know that you had um, or that or that you know is there but you rediscover it again in a different way absolutely read his read his uh, his insight yes no it, it that I see, I've observed that in myself. Um, you know, I've many times in my life thought, I, I don't know if I can go on one more step. Um, and somehow the next step comes. But I've also observed it in so many people who have been just so inspirational. And if, if later on tonight or tomorrow um send me a note and remind me of a couple of of things that you could watch that um a couple of films that i've mentioned actually before within the last few months stories about people who had als two different documentaries that were so powerfully inspiring to see really astounding in terms of what the gifts were along the way. It's nothing you'd wish on anyone, but 
when it's when life is being confront, confronted with that, it's possible that the uh, the spirit rises and mm. and and finds finds jewels in there somehow. Mm. So I would just say, for now, the adjustment is simply this this piece about the self hatred just get rid of that one because that one's irrational you didn't do it why would you <laughs> you didn't choose it you're not in control you're not that powerful right you're not controlling the the way that nature is is operating through your body yeah, yeah. i'm very aware of the I experience it like layers. You know when you're going up in an aeroplane or down mm -hmm. in an aeroplane? The mm -hmm. hanging and then you're sort of, oh, you're now down in another layer and then you're mm -hmm. down in another layer. And I'm experiencing consciousness like that where I can be so in free flow and then I kind of take myself somehow into this turbulent area but I know that it's possible to descend. That's, I guess that's the gift of our generation is that, you know, we've been exposed to these teachings and there is a path. Yes, that is the gift indeed. And just to keep reminding yourself of all the things you actually do know. And especially in this whole piece about this self-condemnation um, really counter those thoughts as they arise with self-love and literally a meta just say some meta practice in those moments may I be happy may I be peaceful may I be calm may I be loving that's a good idea yeah thank you you're welcome I just have a, a feeling today because today is we're having my youngest son's birthday today. Oh. And he will turn like 19 mm. and we will have family over. Mm. And and also will be my my uh what can I my death husband's parents. Okay. And and his children will come too and and that is of course, wonderful and, and all that. But I, yeah, I just feel very sad today because, of course, we, we're going to uh, miss him. Yeah. That he's not here in, in this birthday. And, and I can feel I, a lot of the time I can put my mind over to, to, to gratitude, for instance, for my children and for having a house and, and food on the table and all that. And, but sometimes my mind, like today, where I'm a little bit sad, it, it goes in the direction of, I feel, <laughs> I almost feel pity for myself. Why, why me? Again, I, I, I know it's not a good way to go and it's, I can't use it for anything. But I fall into that sadness about, again, anxiety about the future. And also, 
when I think about all the Corona stuff, it's just more on the top. And I, my mind just can't seem to handle all that. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. way too much. And then again, I want to make a, a very lovely birthday today. And I want to be, and I really want to exercise my mind for being present in the moment and enjoying yeah, my, my my children. Because if I if, if I sit in sadness all the time, and thinking about the past and and what should have been, my husband should have been alive. Then I'm not then I'm not present at that at this moment at this birthday. And I right. want to I want to create a good day for them and and be well not exactly happy, but but you know just be uh, present in a positive way. But sure. I find it I just find it so difficult when the mind is driving in that direction of, of, you know, grief, sadness, and and in the end, self-pity. That's pathetic, but I must just admit I do it. Mm -hmm. So in a situation, I don't know what, what to do. Just do what I do, or do you have anything to say? You know, you're in a process, and grief has its own season for everyone, right? Mm. But just as best you can, Use your attention to counter some of these thoughts. So basically, counter, what does that mean? Counter. Counter means challenge some of these thoughts. Oh, okay, okay. You know that that okay. Um, yes, you're you're focused a bit on what's missing. That is your husband, but what's there? And also, you want your son to have a happy birthday. Mm. Yeah. That that can be your primary focus for today. Just yeah. for today, you want your son, that's, that's going to override a lot of the other emotion. You want your son to have a happy birthday, to not have to spend the day with his mom, who he senses is really actually very, very sad, and it's mostly mm. sad, not really quite there, um, you know, to kind of just counter the thoughts just for today. You can always go back to the grief later and use your attention like that. Okay. And another thing you said that I that I stuck on a second was the whole idea of this shouldn't be happening to me. Why is this happening to me? Mm. That is just a completely why not you? What, I mean, does does death not come to every family in the world? Mm. Yeah. I know that in my mind, but then yes. in my heart, it just hurts so much. Your, can... your heart can your heart can still have the grief of the loss. But it doesn't have to have this added on component of it shouldn't have happened to me. Why did it happen to me? Right? That that's extra. Yeah. The purity of the loss is one thing. That that is fair, I think. That's reasonable. That's logical from my point of view. Yeah. But the other part is actually unreasonable and illogical, not logical. Not rational, actually. Why, why does my mind keep going there? Yet I find myself... I'll tell you one thing that I suspect, because I, I went through this once a long time ago in the breakup of relationships. A little bit different. It wasn't a death, but it was a death of a relationship. Yeah. And my mind chewed on that for a long time, really a long time. <laughs> I remember that story. I've heard it a lot. Yes, I can use it in myself. <laughs> yes, and the reason, the part of the reason why 
it was chewing and chewing and chewing on it was that that's how it kept it alive. That's how it kept alive the relationship, even though, and it was also this weird, this weird magical thinking of somehow if I kept telling the story, it would, it would alter what happened. Alter what? Means what? change what happened. Might oh. change, you know, reminds me of a story. One of my girlfriends long ago told me in Los Angeles, true story. She had a nanny for her, her kid. And, and they had the nanny for quite a few years in the early years of the child's life. Now the child was about six and the nanny was Irish and her longtime lover asked her to marry him and move back to Ireland. And so my friend, the mother, sets her child down and she tells him this long story of all about the nanny and her homeland and how she had friends there and just this long, drawn out, wonderful story at the end of which she said, and, and that's why she's going to be moving back to Ireland. So the child sat there for a while and thought about it. And he said, mom, can you tell me that story again sometime, but with a different ending? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In a way, it's like you're trying for the different ending, right? And part of that, part of the way that you're trying, I would suspect, mm -hmm. is the story about it shouldn't have happened. Why did it happen to me? You're yeah. trying to revise the way it happened. And that's what I was trying to do in this long ago breakup. I realized mm -hmm. at some point, I, this is a way that I'm stuck in this thing, irrationally thinking I can, if I tell it enough times, maybe I'll affect <laughs> yeah what happened I, and also to keep it alive you're in a grief process there is loss right that's there's a purity about that there's a purity to the loss it's he's gone and that and the heart aches but that's that's the sum total of the reality of it it happened for all kinds of reasons, having to do with the Ill illness that he got. Mm. Took him. So all the rest of it is extra. And yes, on a day like this, you will miss him. He will be, there will be an absence there today. Yeah. Um, and you are in the process of, of noticing that, but do your very best to move your attention into the gratitude and the joyousness of celebrating 19 years of your son that you've yeah. got that you've got with him and and this is a precious day yeah yeah i need to remember that yes <laughs> <laughs>
you know, why not start at the top? Um, he said, few people have the imagination for reality. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of view everything in the last six months as being something that I could not have imagined. It's a reality that really, it, it just like take, takes a direction that no one could have anticipated. Um, and despite all of the, you know, and now the latest thing, you know, Walter Reed Hospital, um, some infusion from some genetic technology, uh, some special CDC, uh, blah, blah. Um, yeah, it's just for me, like the Vatican under the Borgias in 1500. You know, so I don't, I, I, I kind of see the whole thing as just, you know, this, this wave of humanity. We're, we're in this wave. We just got to go with it. We can't change it. Um, all we can change is the way we, we react to it. Yeah. And I also feel really swept along by the currents. And I'm just focusing as much as I can on finding this, what's in front of me right now, this group, this, this mind that I have, what I feel when I click leave session, you know, this sort of, oh, you know, well, I can see them again soon. <laughs> this, this brings me into a place where I'd like to stay. Yeah. It, it, it brings me into the part of my mind where I would like to dwell. <laughs> and I don't like it when the world pulls me outside of this place. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting my effort into finding how can I get here and stay here with you or without you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't stay there all the time. You know, I, I have very strong conditioning that I work with. Um, I'm just happy that it's more of the time, a lot more of the time than it used to be, right? It's mm -hmm. much of the time, and that's good enough. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I tell the story of like, you know, it's like living with a crazy old aunt in the attic who's just ranting and raving and banging at pots. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and, you know, you have to just say, there, there, dear, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it's like that, you know, it's, it's like a, there's a certain patience that one develops for one's madness of mind. But to your point, the yearning for that, what Punjaji used to call, it's a holy yearning, what you're describing. Like that statement that you made, I want to be there all the time. He called that a holy yearning. That that's what pulls you to it. At some point, you kind of give up thinking that it's going to be all the time, but that you start to realize, oh, it's more of the time, right? It's, it's getting to be a habit. And the way that the habit works is that you're constantly being affirmed by how good it feels. So that's, there's this conditioning that's going on in that. You're getting happy chemicals that are running through your system. And 
the contrast of when you're being crazy and indulging all the bad kind of thoughts and negative this and horrible that, um, you start to feel the kind of strain of that in an acute way. So because of that, and because the awareness keeps uh, track of all that in a more consistent way than perhaps it used to, then the conditioning starts to get very, very strong for the habit of this ease of being and of resetting and countering certain types of thoughts. I use that technique a lot. Like when I, when a certain type of thought is running through my awareness, and even if I can make a really good case for it, and as you know, having read my work, I can make a really good case for the fact that things are going to get worse, right? I can make that case. But should I be making that case in my precious time here? And usually I decide, no, I've made the case and it's out there and I can now just live, right? I can just, I, I can live with certain thoughts that arise um, that have a foreboding quality to them. But the really smart play on the board is to let that inform me in seizing the day that's here, this precious moment, this precious experience of life. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been In the Deep. We invite you to join us for any of the online Zoom sessions, which now occur two times monthly on the first weekend of each month. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider a donation for the monthly production and hosting costs. The donation button is on each page of our website, katherineingram.com. It would also be very helpful if you can give a review or even just a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. Till next time.